All right. Um, yeah, that song is just perfect for any type of mood that I'm in, which I'll go into in a little bit. Greetings and salutations, you kinky fucks. Welcome back to episode 36 of Kinks with Kiki. Ooh. All right, jumping into SM, aka Song and Mood of the Week. That was the forever gorgeous, forever timeless, the woman who just does not age. <laughs> Sade, she is definitely one of my favorite artists. That's one of my favorite songs of her and the band because, you know, it's not just it's her name, but the band ultimately is named Sade. Love is stronger than pride. So it has been very dreary in Columbus, Ohio today, very cold and rainy. So I have been in the house for the most part, just watching movies and just staying really, really cozy because like I said, it's been cold and it's rainy and it doesn't really, you know, make you want to do anything actively outside because the weather is horrible right now. Um, but that was actually, you know, I've been in a mood just relaxing. I have been drinking wine. I have candles lit around my apartment and I've been listening to music for the most part for the last, I would say like the last two hours and Sade is a part of my playlist and when that song came on I'm like oh yeah that is definitely going to be my S&M of the week because that song literally is like just the essence of that song and like the beat and everything is literally how I feel right now I'm in a really really somber mood um, like I said, I have been drinking, not a lot, but just a glass of wine. Well, I'm on my second glass, but a little bit of wine and I have the ambiance <laughs> in the apartment. So I thought that would be a really good S&M because it really does match my mood right now. So song and mood of the week is Sade, Love is Stronger Than Pride. So... Jumping into Weekly with Kiki, I will go ahead and tell you all now, I don't feel well. Um, I haven't felt well for the last couple of days. I'm pretty sure the weather does have a lot to do with it. I'm dealing with a lupus flare. Haven't really dealt with many. At this point, I may deal with one maybe once a month or once every other month. So right now I don't feel well, but I made a promise to myself that even though I don't feel all that great, I will still try to record to the best of my abilities because I know like last year um, I was really sick off and on, especially during the summer and I missed, sometimes I would miss weeks at a time with recording because I just didn't feel like it. So because it's a little bit more convenient now because I'm actually in my comfort zone and my place of residence 
it's a little easier to just be able to record regardless of how I feel because I know at any given time I can just relax or excuse me or rest or do what's necessary in order for me to get the episode out so yeah uh lupus is kind of kicking my butt right now I've been really really fatigued and just dealing with joint pain and because I'm back on chemo I can't really take pain medications like that because chemo can damage your liver and so can pain meds so I can't take both because I increased the risk so it's something I've had to just kind of deal with and get through as it passes so yeah um jumping into weekly with Kiki which I already have done I had my first therapy appointment last week. I think I might have mentioned it on the episode of last week or either the episode prior. I was talking about going to therapy and fixing my problems and hashing out everything that has taken place in my life within the last uh, six months. So... She is amazing. When I got there, I was like, oh, this is a black ass office. Y'all, when I tell you to see, like I saw just the women and their photos and their credentials. I'm just like, look at all this magic. All these black therapists out here just trying to save the world one session at a time. I completely stood. (laughs) I was a stand when I went into that office because I was like, yes, black girls, go off and help us with our problems. So my therapist, who also specializes in trauma, which is particularly why I wanted her, amazing. I got a really good vibe when I got into the office. I didn't feel like uncomfortable I just got a really great vibe it's their whole setting is very comfortable I didn't feel like anyone was being pushy or unprofessional it was very very calm and inviting like an auntie almost environment they like come in girl let me just put you on my bosom and let's talk like I got that vibe from going into the office and we had an hour session she you know the basics everybody um who participates in therapy that first session they want to know what's going on with you they ask you a million and one questions about sleep patterns eating habits uh your moods how you've been what's going on in your life currently what's happened and I again I wear my emotions on my sleeve I this is not going to be a session so I'll wrap this part up quickly but yeah I wear my emotions on my sleeve. I was not always that way. I actually used to be very, very closed off and cold-hearted. Like, I would never tell anyone anything. I wouldn't let people in easily, which is like, my life has switched drastically since my late 20s. I kind of resented a little bit because I miss being that closed off never showing emotion or feeling towards any one person but I know you can't grow as a human if you are that way so it was something I had to work on and open up because in the past I had like exes 
tell me, oh, well, I don't really know if you care about me or not because you just act so nonchalant about any and everything like you don't even care. And men do things to get a reaction out of you. This is not going to be a male bashing session. So before y'all try to come at me, no. But women know, and I'm pretty sure there are some men who are aware of it as well, as much as they wouldn't want to believe it. Um, men tend to do things to get a reaction out of you. And at one point in my life, you just couldn't get a reaction out of me. So men never really knew what I was thinking about them or how I thought about them in general, because I never really showed any type of emotion. I remember like my long-term ex, he had cheated on me. There was no emotion. like, And he was like, you don't even care that I've done this. I'm like, no, I care. And it was a one-time thing. I think we might've been like maybe two and a half years into our relationship. I saw the potential of having a life with this man. So I'm like, I can look the other way if you cheat on me and it's a one-time thing and we work through it and you, you know, make a, like a conscious effort to get my trust back and build my trust, let alone, you know, keep my trust that's something you can work through. But when it started happening, and this was when I noticed that switch, I we broke up when I was 27. And that, that's when I went from no emotion, no feeling anything to feeling everything. So I'm going to wrap it back around to therapy and I'll tell you why in a minute. So I went from that transition with him, which was like the final straw that kind of just like nailed the coffin shut was he cheated again and he cheated three times. So he cheated the second time and my reaction was it wasn't it was a typical reaction to someone finding out that they have been deceived and uh, cheated on. But that third reaction was the bad one. And it was like it just opened a floodgate of emotion and I spazzed like I don't remember I just remember breaking my phone I think uh I don't think it was no it wasn't a tv or anything but it was just like it was bad so that was when it was like a switch for me and I went from not feeling anything to feeling everything so that's one of the things I told her like one of my goals is I want to get back to that middle ground not saying I don't want to care about people, but I, yeah, basically I don't want to care. So I'm trying to figure out the beautiful balance in between not feeling anything and feeling everything. And once I figure that out, we'll be great. So hopefully that's something we'll be able to do in my sessions. I'm pretty sure she's going to look at me like I'm psycho, <laughs> even though I can't, that's a problematic term. <laughs> Shout out to Bodega Boys. I can't use that when I talk to her, but it was really, really amazing. Like I told her everything that had happened when I got to Ohio and how it just completely like shredded my mental health. And I feel I'm getting my normalcy back now because like the anxiety and the stress and everything that I had like a month ago or just six weeks ago is like completely diminished. I don't have it anymore. And I mean, I know why, but I just, it feels good to kind of get back to myself, but I want to 
get back to my normal self, like prior to the six months of my life that happened from the time I left New York to the time that I got to Ohio. I want to get back to, you know, pre-Ohio me because I was in a really good place, both mentally, emotionally, and physically. So that's the goal. Um, But therapy was amazing. She, her face, when I told her everything was hilarious. And I was trying not to laugh, but this is a black woman. And she tried so hard to be professional. She was like, I am really not trying to show you how I feel right now because I know I have to be the subjective one here. Like, I can't, you know, show emotion to what you're telling me. But her face said it all. And it literally said, sis. Like that, her face, she looked at me like, Eyes down, glasses over her nose like an auntie, like sis, for real. So we have a lot to talk about because I, you know, I talked about what happened to me. I talked about my behavior over the last four or five months as well and how I didn't like how I was behaving. I didn't like the person that I had become because this has never been me, I've always been in a good place mentally. And like I said, the last six months just really caused me to lose my shit. So therapy is going to help me get my shit back (laughs) and get back to pre-Ohio. So yeah, speaking of pre-Ohio, I just pre-everything. Yeah, so I am planning to move. I typically don't talk about the moves I make out in like public. I typically keep them to myself because every time I do, something always goes wrong. And I know you're not supposed to have that mentality. You're not supposed to think that way. But every time I say, you know, I have good intentions and I'm like, I want to do this. Some shit always happens. Like it's always going to be a barrier or in anything like If I mention I want to move, something's going to happen. It's going to prevent me or it's going to make it God awfully hard for me to move. Even with relationships, if I say anything out in the public, some shit always happens in the relationship ends. Prime example, everything is going on now in my life. So I typically don't say anything, but because I want to put it out into the universe and pray on it and pray that, you know, all the negative energy that people may have, which I would hope not because, you know, I don't bother nobody because I'm nobody, but I'm just blocking all the negative energy or ill wishes that people may have against me, uh, with me wanting to move. So I'm putting it out there in the universe with, you know, a warm spirit and the sweetest of intentions because I want to speak it into existence and I want to watch it manifest. So I am planning to move. Oh God, y'all on IG, I love (laughs) y'all. So I put on Instagram, on my Instagram story, uh, I believe it was, by the time you all hear this, it was on Friday which was the last Friday, um, I put on Instagram that I am over the course of the next four or five months, I will be visiting 
the four cities that I intend to look into to move to. So I mentioned the four cities and I actually put up a poll just to see where people like who would vote for which city the most and y'all were not playing okay the messages I got and just the DMs it was crazy so the four cities that I mentioned were Philadelphia, Washington DC, Chicago, and going back to New York. Surprisingly enough, I had a lot of Chicagoans and just like Midwesterners tell me, do not go to Chicago because you will hate the weather. It is entirely too cold. Don't do it. We'll tell anyone not to do it. It's not good. Just don't. Um, ironically enough, Philadelphia and D.C., the people who voted, y'all were not playing. Like, I got the highest amount of votes. Like, I think like 90% of votes for D.C. were like, yes, girl, move here. And if you've watched Instagram stories of me traveling to and from New York to my parents or just even traveling from Ohio to North Carolina to see my parents, y'all know I do an Instagram story to stay alive because I be bored. I, every time I hit the DMV, it never fails. I don't care if it's Maryland, Virginia, or DC. I am always talking. I stand for the DMV and I have since I was a teenager. I love the DMV. And even like in like my early twenties, like I remember when I was moving to New York and my best friend was like, why do you have to move to New York? Why don't you just move to Northern Virginia? You love it so much. And I'm like, yeah. I know, but I don't know. Let's see what New York has to offer. But yeah, so D.C., y'all definitely stood up. Between that, it was D.C. And close, close, close second was Philadelphia. Like, the Philadelphians were in my DMs. Like, sis, move to Philly. And like, even some New Yorkers. Like, Mahaya was like, look, I'm happy with you moving to New York or D.C. I mean, or Philly because they're close. You know, it's only a drive away. We talked about earlier, I explained to her why DC is so, it would be so ideal for me because it's literally like the midway point on the coast between my friends and everyone I love in New York versus my family and everyone I love in North Carolina. It is literally four hours from both directions. So if I live in DC, four hours from North Carolina, four hours from New York, I get the best of both worlds because it's not like I don't have to make a day out of traveling just to go see everybody. So DC and Philadelphia definitely showed up. New York came in third. Of course, my friends, everyone I love in New York, they're like, bitch, just come back to New York. Like <laughs> even Rome was like, you have too big of a personality. And that really stuck with me, Rome. I just want to let you know I love you because that really stuck with me when you said that. You said I have too big of a personality for such a small town. Now granted Columbus is, well, I lived in New York, so everything is going to be small to me. I don't care how many people you have. You don't have as many as New York, so you're small. Um, it's a decent amount. It's not a million people here. It's maybe like 800,000. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not 8 million like New York. But when he said that, it really stuck with me. He was like, you have too big of a personality to live in such a small town. And I really feel like he, in a, in a sense, he's absolutely right. Um of course, me moving to Ohio, my intentions were completely sincere and I had very valid reason doing so. But 
Now that I am contemplating moving back to the East Coast or potentially the Midwest, which I think Chicago may be out of the running. Um, Again, I'm a coastal girl. I don't know this Midwest life. I'm sorry. I'm not a fan of middle America. No shade, y'all. I know y'all represent so much, but I'm a coastal girl. I'm used to the beach. I'm used to I-95 North and South. I like going up and down the coast to any city I want to with no problem. If I want to go to Miami, 95 South. If I want to go to New York, 95 North. Like this whole middle America flyover states, it's an adjustment. I'm not bashing Ohio. I like it here. It's cool for the most part, but I'm a coastal girl. You can't get mad at me from being from the East Coast. So probably Chicago's out of the running because I know the weather is shit here. And I moved here in January and it was freezing and it's 10 times colder in Chicago. I don't think my body or my mind can handle that type of cold for six to eight months. I just, I can't, they just had a blizzard. Like within the last two weeks, I'm good, love. Enjoy all of that. Okay. (laughs) So, um, I'm still going, I'm going to go into that as well. Cause that's a part of my weekly with Kiki. Um, I still want to visit all four cities and experience all four to see, you know, how I, you know, I know it's only a few days, but I go on vibes. If I get a good vibe in a city, I tend to, you know, run with that. I know all cities have their trash moments, but I go for that. Like with, I've never been to Philly directly, but even when I was in the area, I kept telling my old roomie, Lori, like, Lori, I got a banging ass vibe in Philadelphia. I think I was telling her this while I lived in New York before Ohio even became a thing. I'm like, I could live in Philadelphia. I fucking love the vibe here. So over the course of the next four or five months, I plan to visit each city and just experience and, you know, maneuver around and see if it's something that I actually like or if it's something I could get used to. So that's in the works. Um, planning a mini vacation. I am going to Chicago next month. My roomie is officially going with me. Hey, Lori girl. So she and I are going to, we're going to make a road trip of it. She's going to fly from New York to Columbus and then we're going to drive from Columbus to Chicago. So it's going to be like a mini, like a mini road trip, mini vacay with my girl. I'm going to see Ari. I'm going to see my friend Darnita. I'm calling out everybody's names, but I'm going to see all my bitches. And I am looking forward to this because I have not seen any of my friends since January. And it is May. So I am excited to go to Chicago next month. And that will start the... I guess, excursion (laughs) of uncharted territory for me to see if I like these cities or see if I can get a vibe. Of course, D.C. and New York by default, because I've been to those two cities a lot. I lived in New York. I've been to D.C. like just off and on throughout my entire life. I love D.C. again. I love Northern Virginia. I love Silver Spring, Maryland. That's my ideal place to live, surprisingly. And people are like, why? I'm like, it just, it works. And it's nowhere from D.C. And again, I have a car. I don't care. Um, so I'm going to Chicago first. I'm super excited. Uh, I plan to make Philadelphia the next trip. Um, probably in July, 
August, I'm hoping to do Philadelphia and then September, October-ish because I'm planning to do my birthday in New York. So, of course, I know New York. Like, I'm not worried about that because I've lived there. Like, I already know if I go back there, it's fine. But I do want to do my birthday, which is five months away. Whoop, whoop. I'll be 32. Hey. <laughs> um, I plan to do my uh, birthday there. So that'll be all four cities within the next four or five months. Um, and I'll, like I said, explore on my own, just get a feel for the cities. And I want to do Airbnbs because I don't want to do a hotel. I want to see what it's like to live in a space in these cities while I'm there. So planning to move. Have not decided on a city yet. Um, I have had two people, one of them being my therapist, telling me to get acclimated to Ohio and just stay here for a bit to see if I like it. I'll stay as long as necessary, like to get to the next chapter of my life, which is to move out of Ohio. So I am not sure if I can give it a year. If you are listening to this, you know I'm talking to you. <laughs> I am not sure if I can give Ohio a year. I can give it six months. But, you know, like I said, when I got here, my intentions were completely sincere and completely genuine. And now that that narrative has changed and I am trying to take back my narrative and gain some more control in my life again, I plan to move. So it's going to be one of those cities. I know I'm serious about it at this point because I told my mother today. So we were, I don't know what we were talking about. We were just in like general conversation. And I was like, so I'm planning to move. Oh, I know what it was because she asked me something. And I told her I was planning to move. And she was like, well, what are you thinking about? And I was like, oh, I'm thinking about going back to New York possibly Chicago, Philadelphia, or Virginia, but I'm leaning more so towards like the DMV area, mainly because like I said, it's a halfway point. So I was like, that'll work. And my mom was ecstatic. Like she was so happy because Northern Virginia, like Richmond from my parents is like an hour and 45 minute drive. And of course, you know, I think Alexandria, Arlington, Everything in that area is maybe like another hour and a half from Richmond. So ultimately, it's about three and a half, maybe three hour and 45 minute drive from my parents' house because they live at the very tip of North Carolina on the border. It's like a three and a half hour drive. So my mom is like super hyped. She's like, you're moving back here. You're going to be closer to home. I am here for it. Like she was just here, period. So... I know I was pretty serious about it when I decided to tell my mom about it. So my mom, of course, she knows me. I am like a leaf. Like I have bounced from three states in the last two years and I've gone through three jobs. Like so she knows with me, it's just a matter of however the wind blows. I'll just, you know, make my way and make my life somewhere else. So, of course, always she's super duper supportive Super duper excited that I am planning to move. So, yeah, so I plan to move. I'm putting it out there. 
Uh, I appreciate anyone who is truly here for me. You know, if you pray on it, just put the well wishes and the good vibes out there into the universe. I appreciate that as well. So, I did not want to blow. I'm going to stop blowing into the mic. Like, I have a problem. But I was planning to go to Pod and Live NYC next week. I still may go. It's just, it's a little difficult for me to go right now because like I just told you all, I'm planning to move. So my finances and my priorities are about to shift and my saving is about to go into super discipline mode because I do, you need money to move. And I don't want just money to be able to move and relocate to a place. I still need a savings when I get there because I'll be just starting a new job and they don't pay you like, well, you know, some jobs may give you a bonus, but most of the time in paralegal work, it doesn't. So I'm not going to be able to just jump out there and be like, oh, you know, I got paid today, so I'm good. No, I need a savings, a little nest egg, and I still need money to move to a new spot. So not too sure about Pod and Live. I'm so disappointed because I have been talking about Pod and Live for whew, since last year, since it happened last year. But, you know, things changed and I went from being in New York to not being in New York to now trying to move somewhere else. So everything has just shifted so much that has led to me possibly not being able to go. Of course, if I'm there, you guys will hear about it in the next episode after Pod and Live. But if I'm not, I'm heartbroken. It's just this big ass meetup with all my friends that I consider my pie family. And I just, yeah, so I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to go, but fingers crossed, I will be able to and everything will be all good. Uh, last thing that really pissed me off was <laughs> I really had to get my tire fixed. And I posted on IG, I'm like, yo, when it rained, it pours. Like, my oil was low and then like you need an oil change and then my tire pressure was low and I was like what's wrong with my tire it's possessed and I put air in it it was fine and then it wasn't and then I discovered the nail so I got it plugged today I didn't have to replace the tire thank god oh my life I'm just you know trying to keep it together so that is it for weekly with Kiki all right, so this week <laughs> I am going to discuss cock holding or, you know, the holding of cock. <laughs> I have never looked into this particular kink because I do not believe it's a fetish. I believe it is a kink and I'll explain to you a little further why I believe it's a kink. Um, I haven't talked about this kink ever before. I have never experienced anything um, cuckold related. So I don't know a lot about it, but just being in, you know, the BDSM community and being a part of just the kink community in general, you learn a few things just by having people that you're associated with that are in the lifestyle as in kink or BDSM and they have their own sub, you know, lifestyles that they're into. Like you can be into BDSM and that be a part of cuckolding. And I'll go into detail about that 
in a minute. So cuck holding or the holding of cuck. I don't know why I keep saying that, but it just sounds so funny to me. Um, cuck holding is when a man and his partner derive sexual pleasure from the woman or man, because it's not a heterosexual uh, type kink is homosexual, bisexual, heterosexual as well. It's just all sexualities. Um, when they derive sexual pleasure from the woman or man having sex with other men or women <laughs> that are not their partner. So I, you know, of course I am so pro everything. I'm pro LGBT, pro life, you name it, I am. Um, but in this situation, so because I don't have a chart and this is not a YouTube video, I can't physically show you how this works. I'm going to use a man and a woman because it makes a little bit more sense with me trying to paint a picture via audio. Okay. So basically you have a man who likes to watch his woman or his wife have sex with other people. And this particular kink, it derives from the subcategory of BDSM because it's a very um, masochistic type of, I can't say relationship, but it's a masochistic type of kink because the person almost gets like a degradation or a type of humiliation from watching their spouse get extreme pleasure from another person, um, which is why I said it is not a fetish, that it is a kink um, because like I talked about the difference between kink and fetishes when I talked about misconceptions. Fetishes, you don't, what fetishes, sometimes they necessarily need that to get off. Particularly in this situation, a cook may not need to watch their wife to get off sexually. They could just have sex with their wife. So it's not necessarily a fetish, it's more so of a kink because societal norms Cuckolding is not really a norm because it's technically, and it all depends on definition and how the couple views it, technically cheating, but it's not because you can go into polyamory. You know, I talked about that um, a few episodes back. So yeah, um, cuckolding was originally meant for the husband who was wronged by an adulterous wife. Um, and I found this interesting little fact. Um, it says the word derived from the cuckoo bird who is known for laying its eggs in the nest of other birds. And here's why I thought that was funny, because I got a full visual of a man putting his penis into another, like a woman's vagina who is married. And he's like, so this is your nest. I'm going to, you know, put my eggs in this nest. I just thought, y'all know I'm corny. I just thought that was hilarious. Um, so with this topic in particular, I it's going to be a quick episode. I know I talked mostly about my shit and what's going on with me in my week, but I'm going to talk about some terms that are typical to the cuckold lifestyle. Um, cuckolding is typically very different from swinging or threesomes because the person that is the cuck, and I will go into women being cucks as well because it is possible, and I'll give that term in a little bit. Um, and 
I'm going to talk about that when I get to it. Okay. So cuckolding is a lot different from swinging in threesomes because the cuck does not participate. Um, they're actually almost forced. Most partners are forced to watch their wife or partner be unfaithful. And that is where they get their sexual pleasure from. And again, it doesn't have to be pleasure to orgasm. It could just be, you know how it is. Like, it's just like watching porn. Like you still get, you get turned on by watching porn. Ultimately you masturbate. In cuckold situations, they get turned on. Humiliation may turn them on. Watching their wife literally get pounded by somebody else can be degrading to them, but it can be their turn on. We don't yuck yums here. Everybody has their thing. So they're typically forced to watch and they're not allowed to participate because that is the purpose of cuckolding. So I'm going to start out with some of the terms that go into cuckolding. We've already explained who the cuck is and what their purpose is in this particular relationship. So the hot wife, I don't know if they have hot husband. That would be dope if they did. <laughs> if they have, if anyone is a hot husband, please be sure to DM me or email me because I am curious. Um, the hot wife is typically an attractive married woman who has sexual relationships with other people. I don't want to say men, but with other people. And typically they have the consent of their husband or partner. So the hot wife is like, some men I know personally is a fantasy. Like they want their wives to be a hot wife because surprisingly enough, a lot of men, I can't speak for men, but from my experience and just talking to a lot of people in the kink community and the BDSM community, a lot of men get off on the idea or they're aroused at the idea of their wives having sex with other men, not other women, because y'all know, niggas. <laughs> if their wife is getting it in with another woman, nine times out of 10, they're gonna wanna participate. That is one of my fantasies and not something I plan to do until I am well married and, you know, in that whole realm. Um, I want to slightly make my husband a cuck, but not with me having sex with another man. I feel the real torture is in him having to watch me have sex with another woman and not be allowed to participate. So that's a fantasy of mine. I... Hopefully, if I find a husband throwing it out there in the universe, if I find a husband who's into kink and fetishes and I tell him my fantasy, one of my fantasies is to have sex with a woman directly in front of him and he is not allowed to participate. He's not allowed to masturbate. He's not allowed to do anything but sit there and watch the shit. So, yeah, I want to be a hot wife because... I find it to be very interesting, but like I said, not with other men. I want to be a hot wife who has sex with other women and her husband has to watch and can't do anything about it. So a hot wife, like I said, is a woman who she's openly able to have sex with other men and her partner is aware of it. Um, this is typically the cuckold dynamic. Um, you have a hot wife and 
you have a cook. And then I'll go into the third term, which is the other party and what he is typically named in this situation as well. Um, hot wives are sexually uninhibited. They get to enjoy sex with husband, other partners, and they just have freedom. This is when like polygamy and everything, all these things start to just blur, but I know they're specifically different. So I'm not going to say that because cuckolding is not polygamy. Um, usually the husbands, it's not just sexual. The husbands are just aroused. When a cuck is aroused by his wife, just interacting with another attractive man, whether it's flirtatious whether it's sexual, like they, they just enjoy it because their motivation really is their partner's happiness. And if they see that, if a cuck sees that his wife flirting with another man is making her happy, ultimately it will make him happy as well. Um, did not know this fun fact. <laughs> Hot wives typically wear an anklet as a public display of availability. I wear anklets. I love my anklets because it's about to be summer. These feet are about to be out, but I did not know that. So the piece of jury is designated to show men that a married woman is sexually available, whether it's with or without her husband's consent. Now listen here, when I finally do get married and I'm wearing my anklets because I wear them 90% of the time, like when it's cold, it's just, they're attached to my ankles. Um, whether it's cold, whether it's hot, whether I'm in snow boots or sandals, don't come up to me. You see my damn anklet dangling and be like, so how are you? I will punch you in your shit. Okay. And I'm not saying that that's white people shit, because again, clearly I'm a black girl. It's levels to this shit, but I will punch you dead in your shit. Don't come up to me you see this whole ring on my finger. No, I'm not interested. Now, if, you know, hubby pick out a woman, then, you know, all bets are off. Let the games begin. But that's a completely different story for another day. So that is a hot wife. Third component of cuck holding is you have the cuck, you have the hot wife, and you have what is called the bull. Now, the bull is typically a good looking man. Um, Kinkley actually said that he's typically confident, which I feel like confidence is needed no matter the situation, whether you're the cuck, the hot wife, or the bull. Um, they are typically well hung, which means that they are able, um, which helps them satisfy women sexually or hot wives sexually in a ways that their husbands cannot. That goes back to humiliation. I don't know how men work with their dicks and dick sizes and men's dicks being bigger than theirs. I don't know how that dynamic works. I don't really care. Um, but you know, a cuck sees this bull who has approached his wife. His wife is attractive. His uh, wife is also attracted to this person. And then later on they have sex and he finds out his dick is way bigger than mine. Maybe it's a psychological thing. Typically in this situation, it probably is because they like the idea of the humiliation. Yeah. So bulls. Uh, they're the sexual, they're the third party of the cuckolding relationship. Now, when I read this particular um, thing here, and I can't remember if I got this off of Kinkley or if it was off of another site when I was doing my research, but 
typically bulls are motivated to become like a regular in a particular, like a particularly cucked hold relationship. So it can be for fun. It can be for financial gain because there are bulls out here getting paid to just do that. Like come, you know, here's my hot wife, do your deets. I'm going to sit over here in my misery and you can go. So, but the problem is a lot of cooks, eventually they start to feel objectified. So my opinion, my, you know, advice would be poly people probably shouldn't be bulls, like poly men, because if you're looking to get, well, vetting is important also. If you're looking to get involved in this relationship and it is a triangle, the three of you, um, I would suggest not being a bull because Sometimes in these relationships, from what I've, you know, the people I've talked to that are cucks in the past, again, I've been in this BDSM thing for four years, so I've talked to a lot of people, and they typically don't want a third. They're like, you know, guys like, thanks for fucking my wife, fuck the shit out of her, I got to watch, whoop, you can go. And some of them actually, you know, they feel objectified, like they're just being used if they're not there for, you know, the monetary gain. And they actually just want to enjoy and get to know the couple. And the couple's like, nah, I'm good, bro. Yeah, they typically feel some type of way. So if that's what you're looking for, I would suggest you vet the couple first. I'm like, hey, so is this going to be a regular thing? You know, we're going to do this on Tuesdays, every other Tuesday, the fourth Wednesday of the month. What? If they say, no, you know, it's a one-time thing. Thanks, bye. You need to be cool with that because nobody wants hurt feelings in this shit because you already knew how it was designed in the first place. So the last term I found that I thought was very interesting is the female cuckold or the cuck queen. I think Rome randomly asked me on Twitter the other day, like, what is a female cuckold? I was like, it's a cuck queen. I don't know how I know this term. The shit just came to me. Like, again, I was deep into the Tumblr, the dark, dark Tumblr, dark, dark like subreddit like I was into that world for years so I've learned a lot and I didn't realize how much information I've retained but a cuck queen so a female cuckold is typically a submissive woman it derives from a macat oh macat see this is how y'all have been drinking it's not macassinistic it's <laughs> I wanted to say misogynistic y'all I am I'm a bad drinker but no uh, it comes from masochistic pleasure. So just like a man who's a cuckold, a cuck queen often gains pleasure from watching her partner give pleasure to another woman. So maybe he's having sex with sis, you know, he pulled out some moves he's never pulled out on her. She may feel some type of weight, but that is her kink. She may feel a little, you know, bothered, degraded, humiliated so to speak, because he's, you know, over here, you know, dicking Becky down. And I'm sitting here like, well, damn, why haven't I gotten that dick? You know, like maybe she's thinking that. I don't know. <laughs> but that is a female cuckold. Um, typically, it is a form of psychological humiliation. Again, I don't know how men brains tick when they personally, I feel like men can't even handle when a woman cheats 
Like just the thought of it drives them fucking insane. So to watch her literally get fucked by someone, I don't know where a man's mind goes. As a woman, I know I've, well, you know what? I can't speak for all women. I have watched the person I love fuck somebody else before. So, and that was my ex-dom, like post-relationship, but I still loved him very much. I wasn't in love with him, but I loved him very much. So I've seen and I've experienced those emotions of watching the person that I love dearly fuck another person. So I can't speak for everyone. It didn't mess with me psychologically. However, if I was in love, I probably would have burned down his brownstone, but that's neither here nor there. So like I said, it's a part of psychological humiliation with women will probably shoot that bitch air that air that bitch the fuck out. Okay. But with men, I don't know. I can't speak for y'all. So if y'all want to speak on it, emails opened, uh, DMs open, have fun, have at it. All right. So the last thing I found that I thought was really, really interesting was there was a study done by David Lay, who is a clinical psychologist, and Justin Lay Miller, who's a social psychologist. And it was a study that I found on CNN. It was a CNN article. And it explained that cuckolding, like, is kind of like a thing, like, in relationships. Like, they like it, and it's working in relationships. So... With this CNN article, it basically stated that in America, Le uh, Miller surveyed Americans and found that 58% of men and a third of women fantasize about cuckolding. And it can actually be a really positive experience for couples. Even though, because of societal norms, it's typically frowned upon and is considered a weakness. All in favor for cuckolding, say I. However, you know, people like what they like. And clearly, this study showed that there are a lot of people that are into cuckolding. It's just the emotion and the thought and the idea of the person you love being ravaged by someone else. People are really, really into that. If you're into it, again, email me, DM me, do all that good stuff. But I am fascinated that a study was even done because, well, with psychologists, they tend to dig deep into philias and phobias anyway. So I'm not surprised that it was done. I'm just like, okay, CNN, I see you. I can't believe that CNN actually, you know, posted the article, but that's neither here nor there. Huff Post, yeah, but CNN, hmm. Okay, so yeah, that's going to wrap up this episode. I told you all it was going to be fairly quick. I am saving all of my emails. My podiversary is this month. I can't believe it has been a full 12 months since I started this podcast. Like I said, I went to Pod in Live in April. I ended up meeting Josh. I met Millie and they were like, shut up, get the shit done. And I actually got it done. And here we are. 12 months later. So I want to do a listener. I can't say thrived, but I want to do a listener inspired episode where I read your emails, give advice, 
you know, if you want to just give good graces, well wishes, all of that is perfectly fine. So like I've been posting on IG, I really, really want to do this episode. I've gotten a lot of emails thus far. I just want to make sure I have enough to do a full-fledged episode. So you all can email me, DM me if you have, you know, well wishes, if you have a question, if you want to ask me a personal question, you need advice, you want to just tell me your explicit stories. I am here for all of it. You can always email me at kinkswithkiki at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram, Kinks with Kiki Podcast. Right now, I am not on Twitter. I deactivated my Twitter a few days ago. I'm taking a step back. I'm trying not to take a full step back and just, you know, completely, like, I don't want to make it seem like I'm neglecting my uh, podcast, but I'm taking a step back for me to reevaluate some things and work on some things and I realized that Twitter was becoming a distraction for me so it's just a lot of things on Twitter so I decided to just deactivate it I do plan to get back on it I cannot say when but just so you can't send me anything there right now because my page technically doesn't exist so you can always email me or you can always dm me Um, Everything that I talked about this week, I will put in the show notes. So if you go into the details, whichever platform you use to listen, you will see all those articles and all those pages there and the attachments. I mean, the website attachments as well. Yeah, like I said, email me, DM me. I want to do an episode dedicated strictly to my listeners because without you, I wouldn't be here and you're great. Now, like I said, it is late, it is rainy, it is dreary, and I am slightly tipsy. So I am calling this episode quits, and I am going to enjoy the rest of my night. So as always, I am your dose of black girl in this kinky ass world. And until next time, peace.